winter was here, but we're just getting started here on the Game of Thrones post-show recap. And now, here are the two guys who are about to invoke Sumai. I'm Rob Sestrini. Here's Josh Wiggler. Josh, how are you? Ow! Oh, I hate it when I invoke Sumai. It always hurts. I always cut too deep. Yeah. So bad. It nah. did not Bleeding hurt Zaroxas. No, well, that's because he's from the greatest city that ever was and ever will be. Like, you're just, like, immune to that stuff. We're just, I don't know, we're just two dudes cutting our hands open for stupid blood oaths. We shouldn't have done that. Yes, yes, we should not have done that. Here we are, ready to talk about Season 2, Episode 4 of Game of Thrones, Garden of Bones. Yes, Secret Garden of Bones, as we were saying Garden before. Of bones. She yeah. let you into Karth. They won't yeah. let you in, Khaleesi. It <laughs> will be stuck out there in the Garden of Bones. Oh, God. Love that Garden of Bones. It's Boy, just... The season two is really the season of just the random aside references from the East getting the episode title name. That has been a real trend so far. Yeah, you are absolutely right. Uh, but I think that I'll, I'll take Garden of Bones over Nightlands. I think Garden of Bones is a better title than the Nightlands. <laughs> yes, but also... Cat Stark gets Ned's bones, so I guess that maybe that was a second garden of bones in the episode. And that one guy on the battlefield lost some bones when he had his foot chopped off. So, you know, that foot was, you know, probably donated to a garden somewhere. Yeah, I guess so. Garden of Bones. Here we are. And uh, I think I would say that maybe a little bit of a sleepy episode here in season two. Nothing really major going on. Some fun stuff, some great lines along the way, but a little bit of a uh, another low point in season two. Well, I will say uh, I have um, I have re uh, I've reestablished my episode rankings, Rob. I went back because they were getting a little sloppy in my notes. Uh, so I had to go back and I just had to make sure where I was sitting with all of these different episodes that I've been ranking along the way. And you say that Garden of Bones, episode four of season two is a little bit sleepy. That being said, it's uh, the, the second best episode of season two, according to my rankings so far. Oh, my so, God. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to tell it's you. It's not bad. It's just it's very it's talky this episode. There's not a lot of action going on here in the Garden of Bones. I don't know if that's correct. I mean, it's definitely talky, but like this is an episode where people are getting like rats burrowed through their chest. Yeah, I guess so. If you're into that kind of thing, if you're into you know, the uh, who is rat it? Torture. Who is it? Everyone's into the tickler, right? Like we're all in on the tickler. Uh, yeah, you know, there's there's a lot. I think that there I think there's more going on here than than meets the eye. And I think especially in the spoiler section, we'll be able to have some fun talking about this episode. So I don't know. I think it'll make for good podcasting at the very least, even if it wasn't the most compelling episode of Game of Thrones yet third uh towards the bottom overall i have it ranked 12 out of 14 currently so we have a lot of stuff to get to so let's dive in and then we'll talk spoilers coming up uh in a little bit a lot of the episode centers around the struggle between renly and stannis and everything that is going on between the two baratheon bros and so uh, we actually see a meeting between uh, Stannis and Renly coming up in this episode. We end up seeing Littlefinger also in the Renly camp. And uh, Littlefinger and Renly, uh, no love lost there, Josh. No love lost there, but Littlefinger being the opportunist that he is, is trying to he's trying to like secure his place in a potential future Renly Baratheon administration. He's saying like, look, you know, I don't need your love. I don't need your adoration. I don't need to be like your favorite guy. But that being said, if you're, you know, coming for King's Landing, you could either arrive at a King's Landing where you are shut out or you could arrive at a King's Landing where you are welcomed in because somebody has opened the door for you and i could be that guy yeah we see a meetup reunion between Littlefinger and cat and Littlefinger has an interesting offer for cat stark and basically says that they have possession of both of the stark daughters they don't but he is offering two stark girls to cat stark in exchange for just one jamie lannister 
that seems like a uh, like if this is deal or no deal, I think I'm still playing. I think I'm still opening briefcases if I'm Catelyn Stark. And apparently one of those briefcases contains the bones of uh, of Ned Stark. Yes. The Garden of Bones of <laughs> Ned Stark. The Eddard yeah. of Bones. <laughs> the Eddard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it's some Ned Stark bones. Uh, I do have to say, the uh, two handmaidens that brought in the trunk did not seem to struggle with it. I'm not sure how many bones might have ultimately made the cut there of Ned Stark. We lost a few bones in transit. <laughs> Ned Stark is somewhere scattered in the Stormlands. <laughs> they were not even struggling with the crate a little bit. <laughs> yeah, like uh, we lost his, his pinky is somewhere uh, in uh, Flea Bottom. I apologize. We lost mm-hmm. a little bit here and there. Sure. Uh, drifting off to Dragonstone. It's a shame. It's a bummer. Yeah. And so that is the offer that is from Littlefinger. And uh, he leaves Cat to think about that. Uh, we end up seeing the Renly and Stannis meeting. And uh, Stannis and Renly are going back and forth. And Stannis is talking about how Renly should be the one to back down. And Renly's talking about how he has all of these 100,000 men ready to go. And we have uh, Melisandre talking about how Stannis is the chosen one. He was born of salt and smoke. And Renly has the great line, what are you, a ham? <laughs> yeah, that was a good line. I liked that a lot. I thought Renly was throwing down in a great way in this in this altercation, in this interaction between the Baratheon brothers. And I, I loved Catelyn Stark here as well, where she's like, if you guys were my sons, like I would just lock you in a bedroom until you could figure this out and remember that you're brothers. Uh, spoiler alert, that's not where this is going. Uh, we will not be getting any scene where Stannis and Renly have been scolded by Catelyn Stark and forced up to their rooms where they're going to hash out their differences. Their differences will have to be worked out in another way Mm -hmm. and so ultimately stannis gives renly this offer you have until the morning to reconsider you can have a seat in the small council you can be my heir until a son is born and leaves renly to think about that uh renly is not going to think about that and then we end up seeing Melisandre and Davos uh, go off and uh, it's a errand that Stannis sends Davos on. One more smuggling mission. Can you smuggle Melisandre into Storm's End? Yeah, and apparently what we are going to get next is the rather iconic image, Rob, of, yes. Mel- of Melisandre giving birth to some kind of shadow monster, smoke monster origin story confirmed, lost crossover confirmed at this point. Salt and smoke monster? Salt and smoke monster, that's the one. This is not a ham, just in case anyone no. was uh, was curious. <laughs> okay, and the episode ends on that note. It was, you know, I, I, I listen, you know, we're like really like kind of just uh, like brushing past that here. And of course, without saying where it's going, I would love to know because uh, I had read the book. So I, I was expecting this coming up. But for you, like when you were watching Game of Thrones the first time through and an episode of season two ends with Melisandre suddenly being magically pregnant and giving birth to this shadow creature. What was your reaction? Do you remember like the first time you saw this what you were thinking or were you just like wow game of thrones what a show what a show or was this even was this even just like a little next level for you it was a little next level i I don't remember exactly where my head was at i do maybe remember thinking like a little is this jumping the shark what is going on here why who is this new woman because again that when you watch the show the first time through, and I'm not sure if people are experiencing that on their first watch, if they're going through it now or people are just like uh, are smarter than I was in 2012 uh, watching this stuff. But I think I just was overall so confused, not even knowing who is this person? What is this? Is this a witch and a witch just had a baby? That's a monster. What's going on? So 
I, I can't say that I can really, you know, uh, articulate what my headspace was at that point in time. You were like Davos Seaworth, just like crouching behind the couch being like, oh, God, oh, yeah. what, what is that? What, what are you doing? Well, that scene is really funny because Davos from before the smoke baby is being born, like Melisandre disrobes, she gets on the floor and Davos is like cowering in the corner before anything happens. Like if this was a, a person that was going to be giving birth and like kind of needed help, like Davos is not the guy that you want on the scene. <laughs> he's, like, well, he's like cowering the whole time before anything happens. Look, it's not quite junior, but the fact that Melisandre is just magically pregnant after having not been pregnant while they were together on their way over here. I think that that was concerning to him. I think just like was she magically pregnant? I thought she's just wearing like a lot of like uh, loose fitting clothes. He's been hanging out with Stannis and Melisandre for a little while now. And I think that she has been wearing clothing that it would be it would have been hard to hide that baby bump if that had been there for a while. I think it it's fairly spontaneous. And I think that that is alarming to a to a, is a it meat and potatoes kind. I mean, that in my reading of uh, the, the timeline here, you know, we see Stannis and Melisandre have sex on the table map. In my mind, that was when they conceived this smoke baby. Yeah, but that wasn't nine months ago. It was like two weeks ago. I feel like yeah, that well, the that baby bump was <laughs> rapidly. Like, I don't think that she was not pregnant when they got on the boat and then all of a sudden was like nine months pregnant when they got there. All right. Well, I don't think was that your reading of it. I, I, don't, I don't think I don't think that we're going to be able to get to the same place on this. I'm with Davos here of being like very alarmed by like how suddenly Melisandre is just immediately pregnant, I think is uh, would be concerning. I think that that would be concerning for Davos. We need some screenshots on this and All not right, we'll of the, the tape. Uh, however, <laughs> we need Melisandre's screenshots pre <laughs> pre smoke baby birthing. All right. Well, I don't think it's that big of a deal anyway. I think the fact that this is happening at all, this is this is concerning. And I think that Melisandre has at this point, she's talked a big game. She has talked about the Lord of Light. She went up against uh, Maester Cresson in the premiere, uh, the Maester of Dragonstone, who tried to poison her and she drank the poisoned wine and she was totally fine. So you got an indication that she had some power anyway. But this is this is irrefutable proof of something really incredible in in terms of the magic uh happening with this character so uh anyone who has been doubting her abilities uh seeing seeing is believing rob sesternino that's right okay so let's uh touch on everything going on in king's landing in uh this episode and we get uh, you know a lot of great Tyrion scenes a lot of not so great joffrey scenes uh we see joffrey just uh having Marin trant beat on Sansa because of what's going on on the battlefield, taking it out on Sansa. It's awful. I hate this. Uh, you know, I, it's a lot of season two. Like I have probably just like burned out of my memory. There's a lot of stuff from this season that I just straight up don't remember because Game of Thrones has gotten so climactic the further along we've gone with the series that I have. I've like pushed out a little bit of the Joffrey brutality and like the, the stuff with Sansa here is is really, really dark and really sinister. And Sophie Turner is just such a great actress. And Jack Leeson, who is playing Joffrey is so spectacular at being so evil. Like he is so convincingly horrible that you just want something horrible to happen to this guy. But clearly he's in this position of extreme power where he can't really be challenged as evidenced by when he uh, later receives the gift of Roz and Roz's friend from the brothel and forces them through a really awful physical harrowing encounter. Uh, and I feel like Man, like, did we even need to see that? No, not really. Like, to know that Joffrey is terrible, but it just really reinforces that this guy, he is the worst person that's on Game of Thrones right now, and it's really not close. Yeah, the only good thing that comes out of this was from the Throners that year when David Letterman was hosting, and he did that really classic bit where he was talking with uh, Joffrey and Hodor, and he was going back and forth, and between uh, Hodor, Hada! Hada! Hodor! Hodor! Hada! Was that the one? Was that no. the joke? No. <laughs> Hada! That's good. I, oh, God. 
<laughs> Get me out of here. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. I'm done. Enough. Yeah, that was a great year. That was a great year. If you guys uh, have not uh, once. Remember when we had the budget for Letterman for the Throners? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was amazing. Oh. <laughs> it was a while back. Okay. It was a while ago. All right. Uh, but so many uh, great moments with Tyrion Lannister this season. Uh, we end up seeing uh, Tyrion go and have a conversation uh, with Marin Tran. He breaks up that scene uh, that we're talking about with Joffrey and tells Marin Tran to uh, basically leave Sansa alone. And uh, the same thing that he did with Jano Slint, basically, uh, really takes control of all of these a-holes that are working for Joffrey. I really liked the moment where Marin Trant is like, did you just threaten the king? And he's like, no, I'm educating my nephew. Bronn, if Marin Trant talks again, kill him. That's a threat. (laughs) I just thought that that was fantastic. Like, that's what a threat looks like. Tyrion is spectacular. His grace in the presence of the king's god. I'm not threatening the king, sir. I am educating my nephew. Bronn, the next time Sir Marin speaks, kill him. That was a threat. <laughs> I mean, this is the dink it's so in good. at the Prime. height of his powers here in Prime dink. Two. Prime dink. That was a threat. It was just like, oh my God. Yeah. Peter Dinklage, all of the Emmys for Peter Dinklage, or at least like one or two. Uh, he's, he's just so good. He's so good as Tyrion Lannister. And, uh, you know, the thing about him is like, there's, there's obviously these moments of like incredible comedic timing, uh, in, in a moment like that, but also just like incredible, um, empathy that he displays when he's walking out of the throne room with Sansa and he has recognized what Joffrey is doing as thoroughly despicable and the deplorable action that it is and you know he's trying to like give her an outlet of like you can speak freely to me like if you don't love him and don't want to you know be with this guy like at least let me know and she's like i love joffrey he is my one true love and she walks out of the room and that quickly shifts from empathy to just being impressed where Tyrion's like she you know lady stark she might outlive us all yet uh it's just a great moment there's just a lot going on in this scene specifically with peter dinklage's performance that's that's so good and that's not even getting into the lancel lannister of it all which is also fantastic yeah, Lancel Lannister, we know what he's been up to with Cersei from the first season. And then uh, he gets sent as a messenger boy to Tyrion to free Pycelle. And again, Tyrion, this season, he's just basically able to do this jujitsu. Like anybody that's coming after him, anybody that's like menacing to him, he's able to just completely subvert the situation and turn it around in his favor. He is an incredibly intelligent guy. You know, he talked about it in season one about how his brother sharpens a sword and I'm, you know, I don't have a sword. I sharpen my mind. That's his weapon. You know, he is a master of wit. Uh, he is a, he is a great strategist. He's a fantastic talker. Uh, he is, uh, he is able to see deceptions coming his way because he himself is able to deceive. And that makes him an incredibly different hand of the king than Eddard Stark, who is very, very, very down the line, very straight laced guy, very, very uh, serious. And Tyrion is, you know, he has his moments of seriousness. Absolutely. But he is just somebody who can who can play in that world a lot better. He is a politician, or at least he has that capability. And to watch that in display here of this uh, this King's Landing outsider being so at home here in the capital now that he's here and acting in this role. It's a real treat. It's a real treat. It's it's really the the treat of season two for sure and so he tells lancel that he will free picel uh but if lancel doesn't tell Tyrion what he wants that he'll have to go to joffrey and tell joffrey everything that lancel has been up to with cersei i don't think that would go well just mm-hmm. speculating, I feel like that would go poorly. So Lancel is incentivized to listen to Tyrion here. Uh, and uh, again, like you mentioned, Jano Slint uh, a little while ago, and there is that feeling of like the temperature of the room suddenly dropping to ice cold. You know, Lancel coming in so hot with uh, this, this, you know, this feeling of power over Tyrion and he's in the right and he's deputized by Queen Cersei and very quickly Tyrion just 
just bringing him all the way down to being like, oh, God, oh, God, my life is very much on the line in a very terrible way. Uh, Tyrion is able to to really just completely change the tide of this conversation, and it's masterful to see. Yeah, uh, great stuff. Arya has made it to Harrenhal as a prisoner of the Lannisters, and uh, we get some uh, torture scenes uh, in this episode. Uh, we see the Mountain 2.0, Josh. Yeah, what's up with the mountain? He looks different. He looks like he's been like stretched out a little bit. You know, he's like kind of like just been like uh, like the Mike TV thing that you read about in the uh, in the Raw Doll version of uh, of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, Mike TV just gets like stretched out after he's been shrank down. And I feel like that's what they did to the mountain here. He just looks very different from the guy that we saw in season one. He's smaller here in season two. Slighter, slighter. Just he's, I think he's taller, but a little slighter. He's just yeah. not like the massive, uh, like super muscular He's got guy. A beard, yeah, like dark you know, black beard. Look, that being said, uh, I'm I am much more Rennick than the Mountain. You know, I'm not going to be able to take this guy on. So who am I to to be poo pooing Mountain 2.0? Okay. And so we see the whole setup at Harren Hall where they are basically uh, torturing people and they're trying to get information about the band of brothers and where all the gold and silver is. Ultimately, that is going to get shot down when Tywin Lannister shows up and says, uh, what do we have so many men that we don't need more labor? Right. Yeah. Tywin Lannister really not feeling, uh, what, uh, what the mountain and the tickler are up to with, uh, you know, putting rats through people and interrogating people in that way. We've got all these able-bodied individuals here who would like to stay alive. You would like to think that maybe they would work for us for a pretty reasonable wage, aka just surviving. Uh, so Tywin Lannister has come to Harren Hall to clean things up. Yes. And as Arya is sort of like trying to save Gendry uh, and as she is being reprimanded, then uh, Tywin Lannister is able to very quickly see, well, this one is a girl, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. It's a great moment. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I don't know. Do we want to say it's a testament to Tywin Lannister's intelligence or a testament to Arya's ability to disguise herself or a testament to the fact that everybody around Arya up until Tywin Lannister rolled into town has been a total idiot? Yeah, I think it's probably the last thing. <laughs> yeah, might be the last thing. Uh, but no, great to have Charles Dance back on the scene here. Tywin Lannister looking like a real badass with his uh, with his battle armor on, I think. Yeah. And then also we have over in the east. Finally, Danny and company have made it somewhere that they crossed the Garden of Bones. Yeah. And they made it to Carth, the biggest little city in the east, and they are trying to gain access to Carth. Yeah, not Quarth. Don't not call Quarth. it not Carth, it's Carth. Very, very specific. And apparently the names of the denizens of Carth are very difficult to pronounce. Uh we've got Zarin Joan Doxus, I think. I think that's close. It's hard to pronounce. And I'm not even going to try and pronounce this Spice guy's name. He wouldn't even give it up. And he wouldn't even let Daenerys into the city that uh, Zaro had to invoke Sumai just to get her in. Yeah, he's a Sumai wrestler, this guy. Uh, and he is one of the 13, the 13 rule Karth. And he is the only one who is willing to stick his neck out on the line on behalf of Daenerys Targaryen. And Sumai is this law in Karth where you can put yourself on the line. You can put your life on the line in order to, to back up something that you truly believe in. And if it turns out that it goes poorly, then since your life is on the line, it is safe to say that your life is lost so this guy has a lot that he's putting out there in endorsing the mother of dragons who won't even show her dragons to these people as much as this spice king is uh, is asking so sweetly yeah i only wish that jorah could have invoked sumai i feel like that that would have been perfect to hear him say khaleesi or <laughs> i have to invoke sumai at least to like say the word yeah to like explain what sumai is sumai that would be great so Danny is headed into Karth. Josh, anything else you want to touch on? Oh, of course, uh, Rob Stark on the battlefield. 
And, Rob Stark um, on the battlefield, yeah, and poor yeah. Uh, whatever this guy's name is. Uh, this you know these two Lannister soldiers who uh, are talking about like everybody who they would like. Would you rather in terms of combat? Like, would you rather fight the Mountain or Jamie Lannister? Would you rather fight Jamie Lannister or Loras Tyrell? Uh, they did not get to Rob Stark in their discussion, um, but. They both lost as soon as Rob Stark showed up. Yeah, Grey Wind uh, eviscerates this Rennick guy who is uh, <laughs> who is seen in the daylight, uh, just eviscerated on the ground. It's uh, pretty gnarly what happened to this dude. Yes, and Rob Stark surveys the battlefield after the battle is over. Uh, we're still at the point in Game of Thrones where we're just like sort of seeing the fallout from these battle scenes and not actually getting to see anything that's going on. And Rob Stark ends up chatting it up with uh, one of the field nurses. Would you say is that the right title? Yeah, she's a field medic. Uh, field Talisa, Talisa yes. of Volantis. She says Volantis. Volantis is a city in Essos. It is uh, not the greatest city that ever was or ever will be. Of course, that is Karth, uh, yes. but it is a it is a great city indeed, and that is where she is from. They have a little uh, back and forth on the battlefield. Uh, who knows where that could go? Some banter. Some banter. banter. I like it. Light yeah. banter. I'm always a fan of light banter. This is where you're talking about it's getting a little talky, but I like it. I like the talky that's <laughs> happening here. Okay. All right, Josh, anything else you want to mention here before we get into the spoilers? No, I think that that covers it. That's basically the episode. Uh, it is a little slower, you know, uh, and again, in terms of my episode rankings at this point, uh, through 14 episodes of Game of Thrones, I have uh, three out of four season two episodes are in the bottom three spots right now. So season two is taking a little bit of time to heat up, I think. Three, two, one. Spoilers. Rob's Spoilers. getting married to that girl. Oh, my God. Yeah. The the red battlefield dressing. Well, yeah. He's going to get married. He's going to get married. They're going to get married oh, and live Talissa. happily ever after. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Nothing bad's going to happen to these two. Uh, just kidding. Red wedding. Red wedding. It's beginning. <laughs> it is happening. It's starting here. A garden of yes. bones that is going to blossom into like a full on botanical garden of bones in just yeah. a few episodes. All right. Well, let's stick with Talissa that we're here. And this is really the beginning of the end for Rob Stark. Yes. And, and on a couple of levels, I think it, it's sort of uh, this is kind of cool is where he's meeting Talisa here. He is going to go on to marry her. They are their marriage is going to be the thing that incentivizes Walder Frey to play ball with Tywin Lannister and have the Red Wedding happen in the first place. But on top of all of that, um, the man who is going to kill Rob Stark is introduced in this in this episode as well. Oh, yes. Bruce Bolton showing up. So welcome to the party. Uh, the, the artist occasionally known as bruce bolton yeah so he is here and he's ready to go you know in this conversation with rob and talissa though i kind of like talissa she's a little uh sassing him she doesn't seem to care for rob stark unless she's negging him and rob stark you know is watching her in action and really the moment where he seems to fall for her is when she has the bone saw and she's just I noticed like, that as well. <laughs> hacksawing off a guy's leg. Oh my god, I love you. I love hacksaws. Oh my god. This has always been my thing. Oh my god. A bone saw's ready. Yeah, he loves it. He loves yeah. it. I fell in love the moment I saw she saw. So the saw, yep. but <laughs> yeah, big fan also, of saw at the movie. Yeah. Then uh, I also like how Talissa is uh, basically like calling him out. Like, uh, wait, you don't have a plan. You, you're going to go down there and then you don't like, uh, don't you think you should pick who's going to sit on the Iron Throne? Rob Stark's like, I don't care. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because like it, this whole thing is Rob is a great military strategist in terms of like winning battles and really kicking ass on on that front but he like his father just is not thinking things all the way down the line and for her to be the person who is uh who is calling this out right away given their intertwined fate i think is is really great uh i also like the line uh where you know he asks her where she's from and she says she's from volantis and he says you're far from home the boy was lucky you were here uh and she says he was unlucky that you were uh, and wow, both of you were unlucky that you guys met <laughs> yeah. each other. Yeah. Very unlucky. Very unlucky. 
And it really feels to me uh, as Rob Stark falls in love with really the first and only woman we've seen on this trip. It really just seems like had anybody else been there, Rob Stark would have just been betrothed to her. I think I don't know. I I think that he is uh you know he he likes that she talks back to him I think. I feel like he enjoys she the challenge. Him. She negs him. It's very effective. Uh and I don't know, listen, you can't uh man has his kinks, I guess, you know, uh Whoa. medical procedures. He's into it. Okay. You want to go from there to uh Joffrey and the crossbow? Uh, yeah, we could do that. I do think it's just it's great to have Roos Bolton in the mix here uh, and to, you know, to re- reminisce on the days where Roos Bolton uh, was aligned with the Starks, because I think it's really easy to forget that these people were were once on the same side, sort of. But even then, he was still like all in on the flaying. And like that should have been an early warning sign to everyone involved. Like this guy, this guy is weird. Like this guy's really messed up. But then again, given what we're discovering about Rob in this episode, maybe he's like, oh, the flaying sounds kind of interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to talk about about Joffrey because I, I would love to have sort of like a psychologist or somebody who could sort of like psychoanalyze Joffrey and what's going on here. Does he enjoy hurting the women or is it just because that we have them sent to him by Tyrion that he wants to hurt them? I think that it's probably a combination of the two, but I think, I think Joffrey is very clearly a psychopath, you know, right. and that's, that's something that Cersei has picked up on. She's aware of it. She knows that her child is a monster, uh, and he is acting quite monstrously here. And I think a lot of it, of course, is spite because he does not want to feel like he is being controlled by his uncle that he hates so much. But I think also he is getting a kick out of it. Like, I think that he gets a real kick out of the power that he holds over other people and the carnage that he is able to to wreak without any kind of consequence. Uh, he loves this stuff. I think that this is uh, it's scratching a couple of itches for him, as it were. But I do think it is interesting for Joffrey's character, and I don't know what to make of it, that he that where Braun has sort of like misdiagnosed, like, okay, we need to get the poison out, that Joffrey really has no interest in, you know, any sort of romance in any way with with anyone throughout the series. I mean, we're gonna see Marjorie show up and then she's gonna like, oh, show me how to work this crossbow. But really it seems like that she's just like pretending to be interested in his uh stupid murder weapons as opposed to like anything that is like of a romantic nature. Yeah, no, I think that that's right. I think that like he I think that he is like a like it's obviously he's obviously acting horribly and he's obviously evil. And, you know, the word psychopath and psychotic like those words are just kind of like thrown I around towards stupid bad little incest baby. He, I mean, he is he is a legit psychopath. He is a psychopath. He is a scary, 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 scary guy. Uh, and it's it's I don't know. It's it's terrible. This scene. I hate this scene. I, 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 I hate watch. It was so it was so tough to watch. It was so tough to watch. It was really mm-hmm. horrible to revisit. Yeah. OK. Uh, well, very bad he's job gonna get there his. by Joffrey. He's, he's going to get his. He's going to get his. It's going to it's going to happen. You know, we're we're uh, we're within, you know, less than uh, two full seasons away from the end of Joffrey Baratheon. And what a day that will be when we get there on the rewatch. OK, what are some of the things you want to talk about from the spoilers now? You want to talk Shadow Baby? Of course I do. Because, uh, you know, we really we've basically we've gotten all of our Renly Baratheon in. He'll he'll be here for like five more seconds in the next episode. And then it's going to be lights out pretty quickly for that guy with this with this shadow baby. Uh, the, the one and only we see in Game of Thrones through seven seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they should have made another one. Yeah. So this there are there are two, I believe, in the books. Uh, right. I think that there is there is a second shadow baby in, in the books. And the way that the magic seems to work is it costs the uh, the, the the father, uh, the person who impregnates Melisandre is going to lose like a little bit of their 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 youth. They're going to like tire very quickly. It's going to show that they are uh, physically weakened. Pretty it's like having a real baby. <laughs> 
I can't say, but uh, you are, of course, somebody who can weigh no, in on No, trust me on this. Trust me on this. <laughs> yeah, I believe you. I believe you. I truly do. <laughs> Lots I of vitality. <laughs> Lots. Yeah. yeah. Well, then, you know, there's the question. Like, they should have another, should they? Should they have another? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely Take it not. from me, Stannis. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that we'll have another shadow baby in the mix at some point in the future of Game of Thrones with six episodes left? It's like some sort of Jon Snow shadow baby going to happen. I can't imagine we have time for that. Um, Look, you know, if Melisandre thinks that, like, the Lord of Light has to defeat the Night King and defeat the great evil that is rising in the north, maybe she thinks that it's her job to procreate with Azor Ahai and produce a champion of the Lord of Light to take on the White Walkers. Is that not something that could happen? Yeah, and I think that's a hard pass from Azor Ahai, Jon Snow. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I don't need that. I don't need that in my life. <laughs> yeah, uh, no thank you. Yeah, no, <laughs> no thank, thank you. you to that. Yeah, yeah. It's a crazy <laughs> scene. It really is. It's just, it, it's insane. It's real. It's really, uh, it's, you know, at that through, you know, 14 episodes of the show, this is like the, the weirdest, wildest thing that we have seen on Game of Thrones. I think it's not close. Yeah. So we start all of that with, uh, we get a nice, uh, piece of, uh, background information in terms of Stannis and Davos in terms of like getting, uh, going to go send him out. We get sort of like a reset on Davos carrying around the fingers and Stannis wants him to smuggle Melisandre into the Storm's End to ultimately carry out this plan. And so. Uh, we have this uh, very interesting moment, Josh, where Melisandre is talking with Davos about uh, Davos. Do you love your wife? Uh, have you been with other women? Now, I don't believe we ever end up seeing on the show, right? Any mention, other mentions of Davos's wife. I believe she's a book character, Betsy Davos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right was that the character uh, <laughs> oh god i hate you sometimes i have to <laughs> i have to admit i have to admit like it's a love-hate relationship sometimes there's a tension there's a tension here <laughs> like i just wonder like how long had you been waiting uh, all day for, all, all day. day all day all day it was great. It was great. It was worth it, I think. I think it was worth it. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't know. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do anymore. Why is Melisandre even bringing up the idea of that? Like, like she's going to hook up with Davos? Is that what she's like trying to make him uncomfortable? Is that what she's trying to do? Well, I do think that that gets tossed out later in season three of like, or if it's not in season three, it's in the book of, uh, of Melisandre being like, yo, we can make, you know, we can make another shadow baby here. And I was like, nope, no, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's all right. So maybe it's just like kind of like, you know, feeling out the, the future prospects here. Uh, did you like, uh, did you remember that Stannis was such a, such a grammar stickler as early on as season two? He reminds me of Stephen Fishback in a number of ways, Stannis. <laughs> I think that Stephen Fishback and Stannis, uh, that's a, that's a great, uh, that's a great parallel. That's very funny. Both would, uh, it's going to say, uh, break before they bend, but, uh, I don't know. I don't know. There's <laughs> some sort of, some sort of Cambodian joke in there somewhere. Because I feel uh, like it's a very unlikable trait when <laughs> a character, if you were going to like write a character that was going to be like a likable hero, you like, you would never have that person correcting somebody else's grammar. Like it's a very douchey thing to do. Uh huh. Yeah. Just like let it slide. He's Davos. You know, he's helped you out a bunch. Like if he's saying less instead of fewer, just let him say less. It's fine. Or he says, end me instead of end I. It's like, why? What's the point? What's the point? What's the point? What's yeah. the point indeed? Uh, but this is not the, the, the last time Stannis will have a, a moment like this. I believe mm-hmm. it is season five, uh, early on in season five, where Stannis will once again correct somebody who says less when they should be saying fewer. So <laughs> fun. Stannis has a thing. He found his thing. He found a thing. Uh, so I guess uh, we've talked about one Baratheon brother. Uh, we could talk about everything that's going on. With Renly, the Renly and Littlefinger meeting, like I just uh, think back to in that first season, you know, 
where Ned was right at the point where he could have listened to Renly. They could have seized Joffrey. Uh, he didn't do it. Ned ended up trusting Littlefinger. We sort of like went back and revisited in the first season what that would have looked like if Ned would have zigged when he zagged. And then we get the two, really, really the last two people that uh, Ned sort of counseled with about his plans before he ultimately uh, met his untimely end in a Renly and Littlefinger reunion. And, uh, you know, now they're sort of back on the same page or at least, uh, you know, Littlefinger, you get the sense that if Renly successfully was able to siege the capital, then Littlefinger might be the part of the Tywin Lannister who ends up like going whatever way the wind blows. Oh, yeah. So he yeah. Yeah, I, I could see that. I thought that you meant he was going to be the guy who rides in uh, into into King's Landing wearing Renly Baratheon armor, much mm-hmm. like Tywin Lannister will do it in Blackwater. That'd be a great visual of Littlefinger on his horse like that. Um, yeah, I, w- I was thinking about a couple of the zigs where where he zags moments for for Renly and Renly's meeting with Stannis, especially where Stannis floats out this offer to him of, you know, join me. You can have your position on the small council again, and you can even be my heir until I have a son. Was that a deal that Renly should have accepted? It should have, because I don't think that Renly even really wanted to be the king. I think that he is sort of getting, you know, uh, forced into this uh, more by the Tyrells. I don't think that he actually wants it like you know we see him in the first season where loris is pushing him into it uh marjorie is pushing him into it so i don't think he really wants to be the king i don't know i think he kind of likes it at this point like i think that he is enjoying the like the regal talk and i think that he thinks that he's going to be good at this uh and he's talking about how like these banners aren't going to make me king it's the men who are holding the banners and i think that he feels like he could legitimately be a strong king like even if he's not the right person in terms of uh you know lineage in terms of being the person who's in line to take over the throne from his oldest brother who is now deceased i think he feels like he is much more suited for the job than Stannis. I don't know. I think a part of him really likes it. Uh, But man, just like woulda, coulda, shoulda. If he had just said yes. And in fairness too, like Stannis is punking Renly here, right? He is not giving him until sunup. He's sending the shadow monster in right away. So Stannis, not quite a man of his word. Yeah. We also see Littlefinger have a very interesting conversation with Marjorie, where Littlefinger is trying to tell Marjorie that he basically knows what's up with Renly, and I'm sure that he does from uh, spending so much time with him at King's Landing. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it seems like the the thing about Renly is it's a fairly open secret, his relationship with Loras, because you're seeing two Lannister soldiers at the top of the episode talking about it. So uh, I think that a lot of like these like secrets that are that are happening within like the really high profile, powerful characters on Game of Thrones, whether it's Renly and Loras or the illicit relationship of Cersei and Jaime, like these things have like been gossiped about already at the very least. So uh, that that was a nice reminder like the small folk are paying attention to you guys like people are people are watching what you guys are doing like you're you're not fooling anybody you guys aren't nearly as clever as you think let's talk about the scene with little finger and cat and we get to see little finger uh really get chewed out by cat stark to me upon re-watching this and seeing how little finger really betrayed uh ned stark and how upset Kat was, it did make it for me a little more satisfying to have Arya be the person who ends up slitting Littlefinger's throat. Yeah, and not for nothing, there's this great moment here now in retrospect where Littlefinger comes too close to to Catelyn and is trying to, uh, you know, trying to tell her, like, maybe, like, we're fated to be together? And Catelyn's response is to hold a dagger to his throat. Uh, so I love that visual now, uh, knowing that that is going to be Littlefinger's end as he's going to get his throat slit by uh, the daughter of Catelyn Stark. Uh, so just a, a, a really great visual connection there that I doubt that they know in the moment that that is what's going to happen to Littlefinger. Certainly that has not been his demise in the books as of yet, uh, but it's just a great little connector uh, that this is an early threat that is leveled his way uh, and it's going to be so in line with how he ultimately goes. 
And ultimately, he's going to put that offer out there, which Kat is going to ultimately take him up on. Uh, but she's going to be thinking she's getting uh, two Stark girls, when in reality, the Lannisters only have Sansa. Yeah, but they kind of do have Arya, and they just don't know it. They don't realize it. And this is, again, to go back to what you said, uh, that we we had just, like, batted back and forth in the spoiler-free section of, like, is Tywin really smart? Is Arya really good at disguise at this point? Not as good as she's going to get. Or are the people around her just kind of whiffing on this? Like, Tywin is going to know that Arya is a girl, but he's not going to be able to put together that she is the, the missing daughter of Ned Stark, given the story of where she is coming from, like you could probably have pieced this together, Tywin. And not for anything, Littlefinger's going to be in the same room as Arya a little while from now as well. Yeah. And this is one of the most popular changes that they've ever made from the books to the TV show, where in the books that this, is, I believe, is Roose Bolton that ends up having Arya as his cupbearer. But these scenes are going to be so great with Arya and Tywin Lannister. The Yeah, I mean, I think that Macy Williams is so spectacular as Arya and Arya just as a character. One of the things that's so much fun about her is getting her to ha- getting to watch her like one on one interactions with some of these other powerful figures on the show, whether that's Sirio Pharrell or Yorin earlier this season or already starting to have a little bit of that, at least with Jake and Hagar. Um, I think, you know, the Hound is the one that everyone seems to love the most because that's like basically a two full season arc almost. Um, but her her brief uh but to me very memorable and enjoyable interactions with charles dances tywin lannister that's that's some of the strongest stuff of season two for sure and a deviation from the books as you mentioned and a great one at that now josh for the first time in the series we end up getting aria's list making an appearance uh for the first time we hear these names Okay, she will give us a second version of that later on in the episode where she will add Polliver and the Mountain to the list. I guess let's just check in with the list and see uh, who is still out there and if Arya has crossed any names off of uh, the list. Uh, Illin Payne is the one that he's just been sort of forgotten about, right? Well, the actor who played him had a medical uh, issue where he had uh, it seemed like he had a fatal diagnosis that he was able to recover from. So he's just been off the show. He was written off of the show. Right, and but that Arya to- seems to have forgotten about her grievance with Ill and Payne. She, he's just been kind of purged from the universe of the show, I think, is the, the universe of the show swallowed Ilan Payne whole. And uh, maybe he died off screen. Perhaps that is the that is the move. But yeah, she doesn't talk about him much anymore. OK, she doesn't talk about him. Uh, the Hound uh, that she has forgiven the Hound or is uh, she still have the Hound on her list in the future? I think that it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what they're like when they finally reconnect. Like the hound is on the right side of this right now where he is. He is uh, on. A, he is with Jon Snow. He he went beyond the wall to bag a white. Uh, we haven't seen him cross paths again with Arya and Sansa, but I'm really excited for that. That feels inevitable to me that we're going to see those characters cross paths again. And I hope that it'll be nice and peaceful. I'm more worried about what it will be like if and when Arya crosses paths with the mountain which is something that we have discussed okay um we have uh joffrey he's off the board cersei is still on the list cersei is still on the list and that is another one that it, it makes sense to me that there could be some sort of a crossover some crossing of paths if not a crossing of the name off the list between Arya and cersei cersei has been someone that has been very dangerous to underestimate and i think for Arya to underestimate cersei that could be very dangerous as well i don't know who i would put the money on if it's just like a straight on out and out like one has a you know you know if it's like some sort of like you know one-on-one combat situation obviously i've got Arya stark uh, you know, I'll, I'll put my money on her. But Cersei has this knack for getting one over on the other people before they can get one over on her. So I'd be worried. I'll, I'm a little concerned about Arya ultimately going after Cersei. OK, Polliver, when's he going to get his? Is that in the season four premiere? Uh, yeah, I believe that's right, because he's the one who has needle, right? 
So I mm-hmm. think that that's that's uh, when when the hound decides he's going to eat every chicken, chicken in the inn. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Uh, so, yeah. Polliver's toast. He's off. And the mountain that he got his, but then Kyburn brought him back. So uh, he is still at large. So we have to say, Arya, not really doing great with this list uh, that, uh, you know, she's got six people out there. She is going to ultimately uh, get one of them eventually. She kind of left the hound for dead. <laughs> Baron Trant isn't on the list officially, but I think he counts. He counts as uh, one of the people that she's going to be able to, to cross right. off. Right. Does he get added to the list at some point? I'm not sure when we'll have to we'll we'll acknowledge that moment if it if and when it comes. Yeah, we'll see if he got she'll remember into him. The list. She'll, yeah. yeah, she'll remember him when she sees him at the very least. Where it'll be like, oh, I should have I got to add him to the list. Got to add him to the list. Uh, poor hot pie uh, that he ends up uh, coming up with a system that if you stare at the mountain, you don't get picked. But he also and then uh, has uh, an accident. He pees his pants also when the mountain you- is talking to him. How are you watching these episodes on HBO Go on on what's your what's your method? I am watching them on HBO.com for the most part. And I have to say that uh, the HBO.com experience is so great if you want to never watch an episode of Game of Thrones, because it is like a maze. (laughs) It is impossible to get to an episode of Game of Thrones without like uh, you keep like, oh, I went down to the wrong page. Okay, it's like, okay, I click Game of Thrones. I got to find where. Okay, I'm trying to find old episodes. Oh, wait, no, this is only I can only watch the first episode. It's like, OK, I want to explore Game of Thrones and then I'm going to scroll down. OK, now all the seasons are on there. There is almost impossible to like if anybody wants to try this experiment at home, like go go to HBO.com and see if you can get this episode to start playing in less than 60 seconds. HBO Go is working just dandy for yeah, me. No, the the, I, reason- I think they want you to use the app. They, they, they yeah. make the website almost impossible. So why are you doing this to yourself? Well, I like to watch it at my desk where I can take notes and then potentially record uh, sound bites. You can you can watch on HBO Go on your computer. That's doable. HBO Go on my computer. Yeah, yeah we'll have to talk about this offline. And All right, we'll talk offline. The only reason I brought it up is because I watched with the subtitles on, and uh, the subtitles when Hot Pie has his accident was in parentheses, liquid trickling, and I thought that was great. Mm. That was it. That's literally yeah. the only reason I brought this up. Okay. All right. And then let's just uh, check back in with Danny in Karth, not Quarth. Karth. Not Quarth. Um, Karth. I thought that Danny is a little petulant at the gates of Karth. I mean, uh, that uh, I think she could have turned on the charm a little bit here. You would like to think so, uh, but she's you know she is not the the seasoned leader yet. You know she is she is becoming a leader of this small group of Dothraki, but she's far away from uh, being truly the mother of dragons. I think also maybe she's a little sleep deprived. She's been uh, sleeping in an uncomfortable you know patch of desert. Probably they're thirsty, they're hungry, perhaps even a little hangry at this point as they're in the red waste. So she's just not. She's just not all together there. She's not at her best, Daenerys Targaryen, right now. Yeah. I do think that the uh, Spice Master had a uh, pretty astute observation. Turn us away, and we will burn you first. Ah. You are a true Targaryen. Yep. No, that is right. He kind of nailed that. He got it. <laughs> you are literally a Targaryen. Uh, yeah, I love the Spice Master. Spice Master, fantastic. Could not get enough of the Spice Master. Almost single-handedly saving Daenerys' season two storyline. Just yeah. kidding. This guy sucks. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Zaro Zarandoxis, that uh, he really uh, gets the award for completely foobarring everything in Karth, right? He should not have invoked Sumai. That was, uh, you know, talking about zigging when you Zarrowed or Zaros when you Zaxis. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, whatever. Yes. Bad call. Bad call. Bad on that. call. 
It was a bad call, Zarozowanduxis. It was a bad call. Yeah, he makes a bad call here, and it's a different call, uh, at least the way that this is going to play out for this guy. Again, very different. The whole the whole Karth experience for Daenerys between the book and the show, wildly different, uh, where he is not even going to make it out of this season alive, and he's still an active force to be reckoned with in the books as of uh, as of this recording, uh, you know, towards the end of 2017 Who's here. Who's yeah, he's still in it, man. He's still oh in it. God. I mean, in the books, through a dance with dragons, Daenerys is still in Slaver's Bay, uh, or at least uh, the the Targaryen forces are still in Slaver's Bay. She is uh, out in the middle of the Dothraki Sea, uh, where we have left her in the books before she reunites with the Dothraki at the end of, of season five. That's the point that we're at with her in the book. And uh, Karth has waged war on Daenerys Targaryen and that is through double uh, XD is the guy who comes to to Meereen to try and like convince Danny to stop thwarting the the slave trade because it's affecting Karth and she's like no I'm, I'm I'm out on slaves and you're my friend so you should be okay with this he's like yeah not really your friend and I'm not okay with this so I'm gonna leave a bloody glove as a declaration of war and I am now going to assemble the forces of Karth to come to war against you in slavers bay so still has a role in the book no role in the show because he is going to be locked in a bank vault by the end of season two what a weird thing to say about game of thrones hmm yeah uh not a ringing endorsement for the books (laughs) you prefer uh season two's version of events (laughs) well at least it's over at least season two is over. over yeah it's over it's over no i love the karth story in the books this all bums me out because it's just i don't know it's just like done very very cheaply it feels like it's very cheesily i don't know i don't like it i don't like it but we're we got to push through it it's happening we're here okay. it's real. Uh, and it's the it's the beginning the beginning of the madness at least she's out of the red waste you know i really i'd forgotten that it took her four episodes to yeah, get we to didn't Karth. see her in one to be fair yeah but that's still ridiculous that's it's still, still ridiculous. the, the best in, of the four she was in like the same exact spot for the span of four episodes so ugh, i don't know anyway we'll go to karth next week at least khaleesi we're out of the garden of bones <laughs> yes we are she could have just shit, like flashed a dragon she could have flashed yeah. one dragon to those it's guys like, all right it's like oh you want to see a dragon here's a dragon okay that's it that's all you get that's okay. all you get for now here's one dragon you can see it for two seconds that's it well trust us we have dragons yeah yeah well right. maybe i don't know she doesn't show the dragon not yet dragons will start to appear in next week's episode the ghost of harren hall what, what you don't understand is that the dragons are very expensive to to have them shown on screen. If we show them to you, that's you know how many millions of dollars that costs. <laughs> We're only in season two. We We're don't very have the budget thirsty. yet. We don't We're have the budget on. yet. Don't you know Blackwater's coming up? That's yes. very expensive. The very expensive episode. Okay. Yes. Josh, uh, next week we are going to be at the halfway mark of season two, believe it or not. How about that? Yeah, uh, it's going to be great. I'm excited. I'm excited for the next episode. Ghost of Heron Hall, Theon Greyjoy. He's going to be making some mistakes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Lady Wanda is going to be yeah. haunting Heron First Hall. First Hall that appearance is- in this episode. Yes, yes. We went to Heron Hall in this episode. We will go back to Heron Hall in next week's episode. We will get the introduction of Wildfire in next week's episode as well, Rob. Oh, uh, a Roy DeTrice sighting? No, I don't know if Roy DeTrice is going to be in this one. I don't remember if he's in this one or if he's in Blackwater. We'll have to keep an eye out. Okay. The late, great Roy DeTrice. Okay. Do we have a hashtag for this episode? I'm worried that you do. No, I, I, I don't <laughs> have one that I want to use unless you want to go with uh, Hodor Hada. <laughs> That's what you want. That's fine. I think it's better That's than fine. the alternative. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Josh, uh, well, very fun to go through everything here in this episode. And uh, can you give us a preview of the Ghosts of Harrenhal? Wait, was that an Uma Oprah joke? Yeah. Wow. Like, no one's going to get it. No one? <laughs> I think like three people. Three people. We'll see. How I'll, I'll be curious to see how enduring the uh, the great Uma Oprah joke of David Letterman's Oscar hosting gig. How how long has that lasted? Well, a lot of people remember it, or a few. Uh, well, now I've spoiled it, so there's no way to know. Mm-hmm. What did you spoil? 
Well, I told you what, what the joke was now. Oh, I mean, okay. So, well, you didn't tell me. I knew. I knew what it was. Yeah. Well, no, I'm, the you is the people who is listening, the people who are listening right now. Uh, no, what's coming up next week is Theon Greyjoy is going to start making moves against the Starks. We are going to see that happening. We're going to see a little bit more of Arya and Tywin at Harrenhal is going to be happening. Uh, Tyrion is going to be investigating the wildfire stores as there is further uh, development in King's Landing. And, of course, the assassination of Renly Baratheon via Shadow Monster. I think mm. that's like one the very first things we see in the episode the bummer very much so Sorry, very much so okay all right well looking forward to all of that uh it's gonna be christmas week next week so that will be a special game of thrones rewatch under the tree for everybody this holiday season so be on the lookout for that yeah of course if the you... ghost of christmas past the ghost of christmas present the ghost of christmas future and the ghost of christmas heron hall yes on uh the lord and savior's name day uh coming up next week josh also we have uh not one but two star wars post movie recaps up on postshowrecaps.com which i encourage people to check out after they've seen the movies uh spoiler buzzer from this from the get-go on that very spoiler filled from the basically from the jump so do not listen to those podcasts unless you have already seen the movie and one of those podcasts is from the perspective of people who enjoyed the film the other not so much so you get your pick depending on where you landed on the last jedi okay so check that out all on postshowrecaps.com follow josh wiggler on twitter he's at round howard i'm at rob siscrino take care everybody have a good one bye